tell you about Rudolph. It all started a couple of years before the big snow. It was springtime and Santa's lead reindeer Donner had just become a proud papa. Nah, we'll, we'll call him Rudolph. Rudolph is a lovely name. Rudolph. Hey, he knows his name already. got a shiny nose. It's a, it's a shiny? I'd even say it glow. Well, hello, Heritage. Welcome to the start of Christmas at the movies. And I want to begin by asking you a rhetorical question. That means I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about the answer for yourself. Have you ever felt out of place? Have you ever felt unacceptable? You know, we're in a time of year where many of us will gather with family and friends and neighbors and different social settings to just hang out. And we'll do more of that as we approach Christmas. And many of those gatherings can be pretty fun, just really great times. But then there are some of those dynamics that can be pretty challenging. Even the ones around family gatherings, there can be lots of awkward dynamics where we just want to hide. We just want to get away. It kind of reminds me of those Southwest Airline commercials where something happens, a person gets in an awkward situation, and they just want to be someone else, somewhere else, want to get away moment. Have you seen those before? Let me just show you a quick example so you get in my headspace with me. Check this out. You want to dance? What you got? Want to get away? Uh-huh. You ever felt like that guy? Listen, that is, that is funny and mortifying at the same time. And we've all been there. We, we've all made mistakes. We, we've tried something and we've failed. And, and we've been laughed at and we've been mocked. I've got to tell you, my most embarrassing moment continues to be most recently when I walked into the women's restroom in a restaurant here in the Quad Cities. And I couldn't get out of that space before the woman at the sink said, hello, pastor. I mean, it was one of those want to get away moments. And, and we've all been there. We've been in places where we just feel out of place, sometimes because we've made a mistake, sometimes because we've done an awesome dance move and we destroyed the DJ table because you're like, you know, just busting it. And I've got a lot more where that came from. Just none of them are any good. Listen, we can feel out of place because we, we make a mistake. We do something awkward, but that's not always the case. Sometimes we feel out of place just because we don't fit in. Something sets us apart. We're different in some way. And when we encounter that, we feel awkward. We feel like an oddball. We feel like a misfit. 
And I think that, I think that is one of the reasons why Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has lasted all these years. Why, why it's become a Christmas classic. Because it's certainly not because of its high production value and intricate storyline. It has more to do with the fact that something within it resonates for us. You see, Rudolph was actually created in 1939 as part of a Montgomery Ward advertising campaign. And there was a song attached to it, but, but 10 years later, Gene Autry did a version of the song that hit number one on the charge. It, it became so popular that it went on to sell, including all of its different cover versions, more than 150 million copies. Just a silly little song. It's second only to Bing Crosby's White Christmas. It's crazy. But we know this song, right? You know this. We know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Come on. Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Sing it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Listen, you know the song. And when you take the song and the character that combine into this Christmas classic film that we can actually learn from because it points to biblical truth. It points to biblical truth. Look, you know the story. Donner, the reindeer Donner, has a kid. He has a son who he names Rudolph. And, and Rudolph is a good kid. He, he actually knows his parents' names right away. It's got mama, papa. It's amazing. But listen, he also has a shiny nose. He's different. The, some would even say it glows. Now, his parents know that he will never be one of the eight lucky reindeer pulling Santa's sleigh with that nose, so they cover up his nonconformity. But he gets discovered. He gets laughed at. He gets mocked, rejected. He can't play in any reindeer games. But he's not the only one having trouble. You see, there's an elf named Hermie. And although Hermie is the only elf with round ears, if you've ever noticed that, that's not what makes him different. He's different because he doesn't want to be a toy maker. He wants to be a what? He wants to be a dentist. So Rudolph and Hermie, two misfits, decide to go off and be independent, but they decide, decide to be independent together. Misfits fitting together. And they hook up with Yukon Cornelius, who is always looking for silver and gold and licking his pickaxe every time it drops in the ground. And then they get chased by the abominable snow monster. And I've got to say, I was freaked out as a kid by the abominable snow monster. Anybody else with me? The dude was scary. Scary. Well, he ends up chasing that whole crew, but they get away on, a, on an iceberg that they float on and then ends up in a fog patch where they, they bump into an island. But it's not just any island, it's a special island. And let me show you what happens when they arrive. Where are we? Hey, looky up there! Us, of course. Who'd you think? Oh, well, then that's okay. Okay? Who, may I ask, are you? We're Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius, sir. Who are you? I'm the official sentry of the Island of Misfit Toys. A jack-in-the-box for a sentry? Yes, my name is... Don't tell me. Jack. No, Charlie. That's why I'm a misfit toy. My name is all wrong. No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. Where's here? Where's here? It's the island of misfit toys, right? 
It's the Island of Misfit Toys where toys that no boy or girl wants to play with go. And so they've got a Charlie in the box. They've got a polka dot elephant. They have a train with square wheels. They have a bird that won't fly or can't fly, a boat that can't float, a, a cowboy that rides an ostrich, and a water pistol that squirts jelly. It's a pretty amazing place. But it's there in that space that Yukon declares that they are misfits among misfits. And if you know the rest of the story, they go on to live into their purpose, and they realize that misfits have a place too. Now, the reason this story resonates for us is because I think in many ways, it's our story. If we're honest, we've all had moments where we have felt like a misfit, out of place. And it actually fits that that would happen, because being misfits fits us. That's your first feeling if you're following along in a note guide, being misfits fits us. I mean, just think about it. We've been there. It's accurate and appropriate to call us misfits. We all have weird quirks, idiosyncrasies, things that make us different. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell them one of the things that's quirky about them. Come on, Bettendorf, get in on this too. Oh, wait a second. No, don't do that. Hold it, time out, bad idea. That would be uncomfortable, embarrassing, awkward, and probably even hurtful. Don't do that. But it happens all the time. Every single one of us have, have baggage and brokenness from moments where someone has told us what's wrong with us, where someone has treated us as undesirable, where someone has treated us as odd, because the world is very quick to tell us we don't fit in, tell us that we're unacceptable. The, the, the world laughs at our goals. They, they, they mock our dreams. They pressure us to fit in. And every time that happens, we begin to struggle to make sense of who we are and who we can become. And we can feel out of place and struggle to find joy in life. But remember, being misfits fits us. Now you may say, okay, I get that. I can feel that. But why? Why is this such a problem? Why do I feel this way? Why does it feel so bad? And why do these things cause me to feel this way? What are the reasons behind them? Well, I think it can be a lot of different things that cause us to feel like a misfit. It could be simply even how we view ourselves. It could be our self-image. We, we look at ourselves and think we're so different, we'll never fit in. Or it may be that someone has told you you were strange at some point and you believed them. There are lots of things that can leave us feeling out of place. But those experiences are not always the handiwork of God. Yet every time we have an encounter with the things of this world, the things that, that cause us to feel that way, it can distort our understanding and our view of who we are. It can start to diminish our understanding of who we are. Just think about the misfit toys that we just heard about. The greatest pain in their life was not who they were. It was how they were treated. They were fine with who they were until they were rejected. The greatest pain they felt is not in who they were, but how they were treated, in what they experienced. And I wonder, at this point in your life journey, what has caused you to feel like a misfit? Has it been a mistake? Been a loss? A betrayal? An abuse? We all know what, it like, what it's like to feel like a misfit. It's happened at one point and another for all of us. Some of us are there right now, and we're tempted to run and hide. 
We're tempted to avoid people and family and even God, choosing to go and be independent. But we don't need to avoid it. We don't need to run from it. We need to embrace it because being misfits fits us. Because we're really not created for this world. We're created for a very different world. And one of my all-time favorite quotes continues to be something that C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. This is what he said. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We're made for another world. When we feel out of place, when we don't fit in, we live into the role of misfit. But we can miss a deeper truth in it. We're not misfits simply because we aren't who we're supposed to be. That's true. Many of us have lots of room to grow and things that need to change, things we need to allow God to change in us. But we're not misfits simply because we aren't who we're supposed to be, but because we are made for another world. We do mess up, and we have areas we need to let God work on, but we are also living in a world we weren't created for. See, a misfit is something that doesn't fit in, but a misfit is also described this way. One who is unable to adjust to one's environment or circumstances or is considered to be disturbingly different from others. Just disturbingly different, to have a shiny red nose. A misfit is also defined this way. A person not suited in behavior or attitude to a particular social environment. A misfit. Being misfits fits us because we're made for another world. A world without sin. A world without evil, a world without pain, a world where we're not separated from God. We're made for that world. And God sent Jesus that very first Christmas to bring us back, to restore us back into relationship with him. He sent Jesus to restore us to our original purpose. But even when we step into relationship with Jesus, even then, or perhaps even especially then, we remain misfits here in this life. We do need to change. We do need to grow. Yet even when we move toward who we are supposed to be, we still find we're misfits here. And that is our misfit reality. And it can really challenge our joy. In fact, Jesus talked about this misfit reality while in prayer one day. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn to John chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. It's also in your sermon note guide. But this is taking place where he's well into his public ministry. He still has his final task ahead of him, but he's having a conversation with God, and he's praying for his disciples then and his disciples who are still yet to come. And this is what he says, starting in verse 13. He says, I'm coming to you now. He's talking to God. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And right here, he's, Jesus is declaring that we are made for another world. To, to be a follower of Jesus means we don't fit here. It doesn't just simply mean because we're not who we're supposed to be. It's actually more than that. It's because the world isn't what it's supposed to be. And we don't fit. Therefore, inherently, followers of Jesus don't fit here. Followers of Jesus don't fit here. They don't fit where? Here. 
Here, in this world, we don't fit to bear the image of God, to be a follower of Jesus in a world that does not honor him, is to be a representative of someone and something that the world has already rejected. It's to be a misfit. And we are misfits in a fallen world. We don't fit. We're made for another world. (laughs) Yet look at what Jesus asks or doesn't ask in verse 15. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Say what? (laughs) Don't take them out? Leave them in place and protect them from the spiritual bumble, abominable snow monster? Don't move them to an island of misfit toys? Separate them out? Leave them in place? Why would he do that? (laughs) It's because he's got a purpose and a plan. He has a specific reason. Look at verse 18 with me. Just drop down a little bit. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He's got a purpose and a plan. He leaves us here on purpose. Now, we just finished up our series in Up Out, and we talked very specifically about how we live sent. And if you want to check that out, you can find it online. But listen, bottom line is, we cannot run. And we cannot hide on an island. If we follow Jesus, we have a purpose. And he wants to redeem our misfit lives to fulfill that purpose. He's essentially saying in that verse, look, leave them in place so they can live as misfits like me. They can live sent as misfits like me. And God wants to redeem your misfit life and the lives of other misfits. And he clearly communicates that he has a plan. He does this in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you hear what our Lord says in this? What, that he has a plan? Yes. That he uses misfits? Absolutely that he uses broken, messed up people with baggage and idiosyncrasies and quirks. Yes, being misfits fits us. Yet too many of us, I think, we try really, really hard to fit here. But Jesus says we don't, or at least we're not supposed to. The only way to fit here is to abandon our design and our loyalty to Jesus. Because to bear the image of God and to be a follower of Jesus is to be a misfit. And we're supposed to be here. We just don't fit here. That's the crazy weird tension of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're supposed to be here. It's intentional, but we don't fit. Yet again, too many of us spend our lives trying to fit in pretending to be somebody we're not, wearing a mask, covering our shiny nose. Instead of embracing our identity in Jesus, we spend so much time trying to fit in, we become slaves to it. Yet there is a great freedom that comes in embracing that we are misfits, that we're made for another world, that we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We can find joy in that when we embrace our identity as a misfit. Because God uses misfits. He uses misfits. He uses messed up people. He uses 
things the world rejects. All through Scripture, we can read about how God consistently used, uses misfits. Just consider the people that, that Jesus rallied around himself and would eventually send out to, to share his gospel. There was a murderous zealot. There was a money embezzler. There was a traitor. There was a second guesser, a, a rowdy bunch of fishermen. God uses misfits. Even the man God chose to, to just announce the coming of Jesus, John the Baptist, Man, he was a misfit. He lived in the wilderness. He wore camel hair clothes. He ate locusts and honey. The dude was an old school misfit. But God picked him. That's how God rolls. That's how God works. He calls the least from among us to be his followers. Yet we run into a problem. And we become useless on an island. When we allow the things of this world to lead us into thinking and holding perspectives of ourselves, they're not true. Look, we can't change what other people think of us. We can't even own everything everybody thinks of us. All we can do is be the very best person God created us to be through a relationship with Jesus. But far too often, we let our identity and our relevance and our investments be defined by what people think rather than what God thinks. And we give people the power to define us And when we give people the influence like that, then they will call us a mistake. And we have actually moved authority in our life, and therefore our identity and our purpose is being messed with. Yet no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been or where you're at, God loves you, and he's created you. And he wants to move you into new seasons and places God never leaves us the way he found us. He never leaves us where we're at because he has a purpose and a plan for you in Jesus. And whenever you have the courage and willingness to embrace your identity as a misfit of Jesus, you will find freedom. You will find freedom like no other. Look, this whole misfit identity, misfit reality, it's not as crazy as it may seem because Jesus himself was a misfit. He was rejected. He wasn't even attractive. Isaiah tells us this. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus was not attractive. He was also rejected, rejected by his own. His disciple John wrote this in John chapter 1. He was in the world And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. His own rejected him. The religious rulers of the day didn't want him to be who he said he was, and so they wanted to stop him, and they mocked him. They rejected him. Even his followers wanted him to be something he was not willing to be, a conquering king. He chose to be a suffering servant. Jesus was a misfit. But not because he wasn't who he was supposed to be, but because the world wasn't what it was supposed to be. And here's the catch. Here's the tension we have to live in. That as children of God, we are created to be like him. And that means when we follow him, we'll be misfits in this world. So don't hide from it. And don't run from it. His ways are not our ways. And he uses very different criteria than the world. And God is ultimately not looking for people who would just stand out. 
not just people who will be weird or who will be loud. He's not just looking for people to stand out. He's looking for people who will stand up, not just stand out. He doesn't want people who will just be weird and, and obnoxious and, and make a scene, or let alone people who just try to fit in. Rather, he's longing for those who will stand up, who will live into their God-given purposes, and he uses misfits who are willing to do that, to stand up and not just stand out. Paul actually wrote something to the followers of Jesus in the city of Corinth at one point that, that helps us understand this reality a bit more. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what he said. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, the misfit things, to nullify the things that are. That right there, that's you and me, my friends. Misfits with a God-given purpose. It's a beautiful, beautiful reality. And many of the things that make us feel like misfits today are the very things God wants to use and redeem as part of his unique plan for us. And when we understand that, when we realize the purpose behind our design, that's when we enter our misfit moment. When we realize the why behind the what, that's our misfit moment. Think about it. Rudolph, in that story, Rudolph was who he was supposed to be. He was different, but he was who he was supposed to be. He wasn't a mistake. And his misfit moment came that Christmas Eve with the great snowstorm, where he would live into his purpose. He fulfilled his purpose behind his design. And, and Rudolph and Hermie, they were both considered misfits because they were different, but they had specific purposes, one that made a difference. Rudolph saved Christmas, Hermie saved everybody from the bumble. And when we realize the purpose behind our design, that's our misfit moment. And I wonder, what will be your misfit moment this Christmas? What will be your misfit moment this Christmas? What's the thing that God wants to redeem in your life this Christmas as you stand up for him? What's that misfit moment for you? Maybe you'll see yourself as God sees you, and this time you will also forgive yourself when you ask him to forgive you. What's your misfit moment? Well, you, maybe you'll stand up for what's right. You'll defend the helpless. You'll, you'll care for the poor. You will speak the truth in love. Maybe for some of you, you will humbly endure criticism and mocking. You'll take slander like Jesus did while still considering others better than yourself. What's your misfit moment? Maybe it's simply to wait upon him, to wait for an answer, to wait for clarity, to wait for a plan, and not take matters into your own hand and run away to an island. What's your misfit moment? Maybe for some of you, you're a parent like Donner, and, and you're working with a child who's struggling with who they are and what they're experiencing in life. And your misfit moment is to lead them back to Jesus as you embrace your own story. Yet I also realize that for some, your misfit moment is simply going to be coming when you realize who God created you to be. That you'll receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You'll find purpose and relationship through him. What's your misfit moment going to be this Christmas? You have one. Will you run and hide? Or will you stand up? 
See, some of the things that make you feel like a misfit today are the very things God wants to use as part of his unique plan for you. But you have to let him. That's the key to the misfit moment. We have to give Jesus control. We may not always understand what God is doing in our life. You may not know why he created you or allowed you to experience the things you've experienced. But he has a plan and a purpose for you, for us, for all of his misfits. To give us hope in a future when we fully live into our identity as a misfit of Jesus. When we live for him and we give Jesus control. Until we do that, we will feel disconnected in life and not live fully in who we were created to be. It may seem like a position of weakness or dysfunction to live into the identity of misfit. Because following Jesus means we don't fit here in this world. We're aliens and strangers. But the goal is not to fit in. The goal is to stand up. And we have a God-designed purpose within us where nothing else satisfies, nothing else fits until we have a relationship with him through Jesus. And that starts with prayer. And if you're someone today who finds yourself on an island of misfit toys somewhere in your world, and you're spiritually unresolved, and you have not invited Jesus into your life, I strongly encourage you to have that conversation today. To ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. To find forgiveness from the junk of your life. He will give you the gift of eternal life. But he will also position you to walk with God, with purpose, as he redeems the misfit areas of your life. There's some specific steps on the back of your sermon note guide, if that's something you're thinking about doing. But this is where it begins, where we realize the purpose that God has for us as we step into relationship with him. He wants to redeem your story. He wants to take your oddities and your failures and use them for something more. And if God can use the misfits of scripture, he can certainly use you or I to make a difference on this earth for his kingdom. But I also understand the realization that we are misfits among misfits is both comforting and annoying. (laughs) There is relief and irritation with it. Because the gospel of Jesus stirs within us both a longing and an indignation. It shows that we are misfits and there's nothing within us that we can do about it. We are odd, but we are loved. Yet, we can enter into his kingdom through Jesus and Jesus alone. But as long as we maintain a sense of pride or independence, as long as we deny what's broken in us, as long as we think we can do it on our own if we just run off and make a life of it without anybody else, God can't do anything for us. We have to acknowledge our need for him, that we are misfits among misfits in need of a savior. And then he begins to do a new thing. He redeems our misfit reality. You know, the rest of the story for those misfit toys is that they're finally given to children who will love them. It's actually not a scene in the original one. The original one ended without that scene, and they got so much uh, feedback and fan mail from it that they went back and created a new scene where those toys were given to kids. And if you've ever noticed, the bird that can't fly gets dropped without an umbrella. It's very dangerous. But they all find and are finally given to children who love them. So their misfit nature is redeemed with new purpose. They realize the purpose behind their design. And God wants to do the same thing for you today. He says in 2 Corinthians this, chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
He can take your misfit elements of your life and redeem them. Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My friends boast joyfully in a misfit identity. Not in defiance, but in celebration. And this Christmas, as you decorate, as you shop, as you watch Rudolph and other Christmas classics, take time to talk with God about his plan for you. Talk with him about finding your identity in him rather than this world. He loves you enough to send his son Jesus as a misfit here so that you can have life and hope and purpose beyond yourself. You are God's beloved misfit child. He loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to save you, to make you acceptable and holy. That's what Jesus offers us, a new identity in him with purpose and hope and life. If you believe it, you can receive it. Don't run from it and don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Simply give him the misfit areas of your life and watch what he does. You and I, we are each created by God in his image for his purpose. You are, in, you are uniquely you, even down to your DNA and your fingerprint. That means there is a unique purpose and a unique calling and a unique love that God has for each one of us, and he is especially fond of you. He loves you. So boast joyfully in your misfit identity, not in defiance, but in celebration and pursuit of his purposes. Because being a misfit fits us. And the opportunity you have is to live into your misfit moment this Christmas and watch what he does. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that even though we live in a world of misfits and we ourselves are misfits, your great love for us and the power of your Holy Spirit and the work and sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ allows us to be restored and redeemed and made whole. You are a good, good father. You love us just as we are, but you never leave us where you find us. You always move us to more. You always move us to be more like your son Jesus. So Father, I pray this Christmas that each of us would be attentive and attuned to how your Holy Spirit is positioning us to live into our misfit moment. For some, that is to simply receive Jesus as Savior and Lord and to find a new life in Him. I pray that we would all do that. But for others, Father, it will be the reality that you have a purpose for us to live into a moment in this world. And I pray that we would have the courage to step out in who we are in your Son, Jesus, and you would receive glory and honor and your purpose will be accomplished through us as we live into our misfit moments. Thank you for giving us a purpose beyond us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. And I pray this in His name. And everybody said, amen.